Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the People Processes Podcast, where we dive deep into the tools, laws, and yes, processes that you need to know in order to scale and grow your organization. On this podcast, we help you structure your business processes to make your people your organization's greatest competitive advantage. Don't forget, you can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much any podcatcher of your choice. You can also subscribe at peopleprocesses.com, which will give you exclusive subscriber-only content. Here is your host, Rami Alajil, author and CEO of People Processes. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I'm so excited to have you in today. We are going to be interviewing John Jonas. He is the founder of OnlineJobs.ph. His mission is to help medium-sized and small businesses thrive in the global marketing through smart outsourcing. It was created in 2009 by uh, John as a way to connect the affordable Filipino workforce with business owners in different parts of the world. Now, we're excited to have him, and we're going to talk about many things, but I want to give a preface here. I know some of our listeners are going to have strong feedback about outsourcing and uh, uh, bringing in non-United States or Canadian or European, wherever you're based, but this is an international podcast, and I want to hear what he has to say about these. And for those of you who use VAs, please take the time, comment, drop me an email, and let me know how it's worked out for you. Now, John, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thanks for having me. So, John, you got to tell me, I mean, you, you've been now in this business for 11 plus years with onlinejobs.ph? Yeah, so I, I think I hired my first virtual assistant in the Philippines in 2005. And wow. So that was, yeah, it's changed a lot since then. Well, some things have and mm-hmm. most things haven't. I mean, I mean, the workforce in the Philippines hasn't really changed, you know, like they're still very westernized and they speak mm-hmm. good English and they're very good. But uh, yeah, there's I mean, the demand for the Filipino workforce has gone way, way, way up since then. Yeah. Well, let me ask you then, and we can maybe get this out of the way. What do you think about um, what would you say to people who small businesses who have been? working in the U.S. market, and they have a great hesitation about outsourcing, either for moral or patriotic, or they just think, God, I hate calling my cable company and getting someone I can't understand. Like, what would you say to them and to kind of put them at ease so that they can really listen to the rest of this podcast with an idea of how to improve their business? Yeah, so I have a couple things about that. So number one, uh, I don't I don't see very much of that anymore. Like we get very little pushback about, oh, you're taking American jobs because we're not. Mm-hmm. Like usually when someone's hiring a virtual assistant in the Philippines, they, they didn't have someone in the U S in the first place. They're not, they weren't going to hire someone in the U S or it wasn't working out. It's not like you're taking a U.S. job and shipping it overseas, which is what we've typically in the past thought about outsourcing. Sure. Um, the, the second part of it is, so if, if you've called your cable company and had someone you can't understand, and it's a big problem that comes from India and, about 10 years ago, the world kind of started waking up to what the Philippines offered. And so mm-hmm. today, you you very, very seldom get someone in India on the phone anymore. And, uh, and you know, in India, they speak great English. They it, It's just the culture is so different that it's hard to understand. Uh, right. It's hard to understand them. Right. They, they have a hard time understanding us. We communicate differently. The Philippines is a different story. So if if you're concerned about like, oh, I don't know if we can have good communication, we're going to have communication problems, I just can't deal with that, or their English is not going to be good, none of that is an issue with the Philippines. Okay. All right. So so kind of the moral argument is these aren't, you're not, you're not dropping $60,000 a year jobs and hiring someone over in the Philippines to replace them. This is a VA job. It allows people to supplement their workforce and grow uh, without necessarily in fact often growing the business to the extent that you can afford more u.s workers and that's often what we see yeah yeah yeah. that's that's what i'll tell you yeah i mean well that's i'll tell and and in full disclosure um years ago i hired my first bookkeeper through john's service onlinejobs.ph and she is still with us killing the books every day it's grown my it's without her I, i at the time i didn't have a budget to spend a huge amount of money on a bookkeeper um, and I had complicated books. I needed someone who could work on it 20, 30, 40 hours a week. And, uh, it worked out. 
Um, and it, it, it freed up a lot of time and experience. And that employee, she's, I mean, she's part of the team five years almost with us now and just, uh, as much part of the family as, as people who work right down the street. So I guess that's my, that's my two cents and my endorsement, I guess, of onlinejobs.ph. It worked for, worked for people processes back in the day. Yeah, I love it. And, and that's, I mean, your experience of, oh, she's been with you for five years is not uncommon at all. I mean, like the very first person I ever hired in 2005 still works for me today. Um, she's going to get a gold watch soon, man. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. The Philippines has this odd culture of loyalty, which is so different than, than in today's world uh, in, in the U.S. So mm-hmm. like when you hire someone, as long as you treat them well, they will never stop working for you. And that is such a big deal for a small business owner because otherwise, you know, turnover, we know turnover costs three times the person's annual salary or whatever it is. Well, uh, I mean, that that annual salary cost isn't that big of a deal. Just the mental cost for a small business owner of turnover is so mm-hmm. huge. And in the Philippines, it's as long as you treat them well, um, it, it the turnover is not there. I think that's, uh, that's been my experience. Um, so with so John, I guess our podcast focuses on the system. So I understand that online jobs is a recruiting portal, uh, recruiting site where you can connect with Filipinos for VA work. But I want to broaden the conversation. Uh, of course, we've hit your thing, but you're an expert at this point in bringing on effectively remote workers, um, internationally remote in your case, on different time zones, working possibly asynchronous schedules, sometimes in US hours, sometimes overnight for over here. And I want to just kind of spend the next little time talking about some of the ways that we can improve our performance for VAs, but also for for employees that are in this sort of new world of working from home and, and um, um, not in that traditional office environment where they can maybe pick up more stuff by osmosis. So let's Let's start at the beginning of the people processes cycle, which is normally recruitment. With online jobs, I know you can go post an ad and people will reply. You can go look up people, but but where would you where do you see small business owners who get started in this world of looking for people? Where do you see some of their major mistakes? What do you wish they would do when they're um, trying to find a good person? How would you advise someone to get started? So. Yeah. So my advice is always to go on to onlinejobs.ph and start looking at profiles. Like you're looking for a designer or you're looking for a bookkeeper or whatever it is. Uh, go search for that skill and and look at a whole bunch of profiles and just see what you find. And, and this is like, this is the first step is get an idea of what skills are out there and how much people are asking to make. Because on their profiles on onlinejobs.ph, they'll, they'll tell you how much they're looking to make. And so when you go and look at 10 or 20 or 30 profiles, and that will take you uh, five or 10 minutes, um, you'll have a pretty good idea of like the skills you can find and the people you're looking at and, and how much they're looking to make, right? And so that's always what I suggest is the first thing to do. The mistake that I see people making when they do this is they start shortlisting candidates. Oh, I really like this one. I want to hire this one. Oh, I don't like this one. Oh, I like this one. But this is the one that I. This is the one that I'm going to hire. That's a mistake. Um, mm. So on onlinejobs.ph, there's nearly a million. Or there, actually, there's more than a million profiles now, um, and we don't know any of them. We don't know their status or their work status or whatever. So if you go a shortlisting people and they already have a job, the chances of them not responding to your job inquiry are pretty reasonable. And this goes back to the loyalty thing. Um, they're very loyal to their current employer. And so if you ask, if you offer them a job and they have a job, then they may not even respond to you. And so you shortlisting people is a mistake. So hmm. the, the next step for me is to either contact a whole bunch of those people that you looked at their profiles, like contact 20 of them, or post a job. Now that you have a good idea of skills and salary, um, post a job. And then let people apply to your job. And people who apply to your job, you know they're actively looking. And mm-hmm. what I will typically do is I'll do both of these. I will contact some people that I saw their profiles. I'm like, oh, yes, that's a really great profile. Uh, and I'll post a job and start getting responses. And so from there, you're going to interview people just as you would anywhere else. And what I, it's been interesting 
as I've watched this over the years, I mean, I've watched thousands and thousands of people do this and I've done it myself dozens of times. Um, usually the times where a worker doesn't work out, a VA doesn't work out is the time where I shortcut the process. And I was like, oh yeah, this is the one right, right. away before I ever talk to them. Right. Absolutely. So I'm going to take a few steps back because I know when you, when you get to the interview, there are ways in the, the thing I want to stress on for our listeners is whether you're hiring a VA internationally for a thousand bucks a month, or you're making your CEO pick, you have to put the time in to run through a process that's going to allow you to be confident that this employee is going to work out. I, at our company, we work on this idea that all hires, you should be able to hire with a 95% confidence that they will succeed. If you're not at 95%, don't hire yet. And so we normally start all the way back, even before we start looking at resumes or putting out applications, we normally would recommend starting at something like a uh, job design. Um, we actually normally start by talking to the employees that already have that position and asking them what are the key traits and skills that they would think someone else should be brought in, look at their day-to-day -day work and work on a job description based on that. And once you know broadly what the design of the job is and you've created a job description, then you would go to where you're doing a job advertisement, either a listing on online jobs or somewhere else, or looking for resumes that fit that. Now, shortcutting that process, totally possible, but you're going to get a little distracted, I think, going through uh, profiles with, ooh, I'd sure like one of those. Uh, if you start with figuring out what it is you very much need and then be patient in your hiring, you'll be much more likely to succeed. Once you've got that down, though, you've got a job description and you know, and you've you've uh, kind of figured out what it is you're looking for. At that point, it's the advert. So you were mentioning, John, on your site, people can go look up resumes or they can post an ad, they can post a, a job opening, right? Yeah. In those job openings, is there particular information that you recommend that's a little maybe a little different for hiring in the Philippines uh, or hiring a VA than would be maybe show up on your standard Monster.com ad? Uh, for uh, a local? Yeah, I think so. So one of the things that, so we see two things. Um, one, we see someone expecting to find a, a superhero. Like you're expecting to find someone in the Philippines who can build your website and write your content and do your marketing <laughs> and do your bookkeeping and write custom programming code. Along with making phone calls to Fortune 500 CEOs, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and that that's not a thing. So that that's. <laughs> I mean, yeah. obviously, that's not a thing, right? But you'd be surprised. But, but you think well, and I think that's one of the problems with the VA tag, right? People hire virtual assistants, and they, especially, I see this in small business owners, your two man, four man shops that are getting their first VA, and they think my VA is someone who's going to do everything I do for me. Right. And uh, yeah, so so yeah, go back to that job description you just looked at. Take the time to build it out and think, is this something a human can do uh, who hasn't worked in the industry for 15 years as the CEO of a corporation? Like, think about what your job description is yeah. uh, and narrow it down. I think that's really good. All right. right. So, so once you realize you're not going to hire uh, uh, an entire fleet of humans for the cost of one, then you... Yeah, so... so that that the first mistake don't expect to find everything now i will tell you over time i've taught some of my people to do a heck of a lot of things and it's awesome absolutely yeah because they're loyal so okay so back to the job post um so in the philippines their culture is one that they really want to please you they don't want to disappoint you and so if in your job post you list 15 things that Maybe they're even all related. Uh, maybe you're selling e-commerce and you talk about uh, managing your e-commerce store and doing some marketing for your e-commerce store and listing on Amazon and listing on eBay and and doing whatever it is, right? You list 15 different things. Someone in the Philippines looks at that and they say, oh, I can do 11 of those things. I'm good at 11. But there's these four here. I don't know how to do. I'm not going to apply. And that's... Ooh, that's different. That's different, right? That's that's the the... The part where um, 
in the Philippines, they they don't want to let you down. And that's a major driving force. And that's the number one problem that you'll run into with the Philippines that we can talk about later. But uh, so what I recommend is posting a job with two or three of the things that they'll be doing. And those are kind of overarching, like you'll be managing my Shopify store or, you know, something like that. And, and from there, uh, as you interview, you can get more into the details. Um, you know, a lot of stuff can be taught or learned and someone doesn't necessarily need to have those skills up front. But so as you post the job post, that's, that's one of my, one of my, the big things that I see is you posted too many skills. The other side of that is, uh, you've thought through this post. Don't, don't go on and say, I want someone to manage Shopify and that's it. Because we see that too, right? And and you'll probably get a bunch of really good applicants, but you're probably going to get 200 applicants. And it's really hard to manage that that quantity of applications. You know, some of them are complete garbage because your job post was garbage. Hmm. So, so do you recommend a more formal language on your job postings, or do you think a conversational? Um, uh, friendly tone is, is, is better for your, so uh, culture. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I would tend to think that a more formal language is better for the Philippines. However, okay. I'm very conversational and I've never posted a formal job post. <laughs> okay. I've a lot of stuff doing it. So, All right. I think that's, that's, you know, that's, that's good. So some insight there. Uh, and some of it, a lot of it, you know, is personality driven. Like who are you as an employer Stick with who you are, you know, don't try and be me or, you know, don't try and be Rami or whatever. Um, I run into this. I, I, you know, there's a lot of great HR tools and advice out there. And, you know, something that a lot of recruiting companies really focus on is making your, making a, a standout job ad that's super fun and drop a cuss word in there. Like, I mean, just do whatever to really reflect your company's culture. Um, and I see those being used. I have a, a, a client that came to us a few years ago and they, they were an accounting firm. A re, I mean, and this is like a real accounting firm with like 30 CPAs and 40 support staff and doing like high level tax. They wear suits to work every day. They have their, <laughs> they have their company barbecue and everyone wears a tie. They're right? not fun. They're not fun. They're accountants. <laughs> and their job ad was the most hyped, like, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna blow the doors off the accounting industry one, one client at a time, you know, just incredible. And, and they were shocked that they had like, you know, um, self-educated bookkeepers applying who, you know, uh, did primary bookkeeping work for like weed shops in Colorado. And and I don't know, it just reflect your company culture, guys. If it's formal, be formal. If it's friendly, be friendly. If it's wackadoodle, you can do that too. I think that's a good point. So you put up your job ad, you've laid out a few skills, but not gone crazy because over there, unlike over here, over here, you put, I need a master's degree and 12 years of experience. And you get everyone who's ever worked at McDonald's when you put out a job ad. Um, yeah, it blows me away. The applicants, uh, a lot of times that will apply for just every job going down the list. Um, but you're well, we'll saying much too. more. Yeah. We'll that, you will. The Philippines. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, that's just human nature. I'm getting a job one way or the other, right. but you're thinking we, it's more likely over there to turn off the good applicants who are very concerned about accomplishing their job, uh, by overwhelming them with a skills list. So one of, one of my, one of the things I've seen over the years is with remote work specifically, someone who is, and this isn't always the case, but someone who's detail oriented uh, is really important um, because you're not yes. seeing them. You, I, I, For me, I often, I don't want to oversee them. I don't want to look at everything they're doing, right? So for me to give them four tasks and then for them to complete four tasks after I've hired them is, is a really big deal. For me to give them four tasks and them to do two of them because they just ignored two of them, it doesn't really work for me. <laughs> right, right. And and the truth is in an office environment, that happens. And you catch it and you go, hey, Jack, don't forget to turn in that report I asked you for. But in the yeah, but in remote a, work, it's task. It's much more task-based. Right. So in an office environment, you see that person and and – and it triggers things in your brain. In a remote environment, you don't. You don't see that person to have triggers go off in your brain. Like, oh, how did that go? That that doesn't happen for right. me, right? 
And so one of the things that I, I always tell people to look for is pay, pay attention to their attention to detail because you'll forget things when you're not seeing this person. Um, and so that, that makes a big difference. In online job postings, and we'll move on from the ad after this, but um, one thing that we've always done uh, that that does narrow down the number of applicants, surprisingly, is to somewhere midway through or towards the bottom, maybe not the very bottom, we put a line in there that says something like, uh, when you reply to this ad via the applicant portal or via online jobs or via email, however you do it, in the subject line, put, I read the whole thing or some phrase that helps you narrow down people who've actually read the entire description. Have you seen things like that in the past? I do it every time. Yeah. Include the yeah. word pink Cadillac in your description. Yeah. yeah. And and I'll tell you, it does more than what you think. So in the Philippines, um, the, this is a really great indicator. So I'll often tell people to attach a picture of a pink Cadillac or, or something like that, right? Mm. Um, okay. And you're saying to include the words, I read the whole thing. Great. Whatever. It does the same thing. Um. You, you get one of three responses to that. You'll get someone who ignores it, and that's not good. You'll get someone who does it, and that's great. And then occasionally, rarely, but it, but it will happen, someone will question it. Uh, you asked me to attach a picture of a pink Cadillac to this, and that seemed super weird. Why? When, when, when you get that in the Philippines, that's a big deal. Like that's Higher immediately. It's really, really good. <laughs> often in the yeah, the 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 power the power distance mm-hmm. in the Philippines is is bigger than in the U.S. And so, if they're willing to to challenge you and question you, um, you at least you still need to interview, but at least you know there's there's something good going on there. Right. I ran into that with my hire through you guys. Um, she when she started in, in bookkeeping, she did the tasks. But if I asked her, hey, now that you've done this for a couple of weeks, how can I improve it? Like pretty much radio silence for quite a while. Um, it took a long time for her to grow into a... Whereas in the US, you hire somebody, they've been there a week and they tell you how to run the company sometimes. Um, <laughs> so, but, but it's very different. There was a lot more formality um, yeah. with, with my Filipino hire that I was unexpected. I, I, I was younger than the person I hired. And yet they were like, they, I said, call me Rami. And they were like, Mr. Rami. I'm like, that's okay, but you can just call me Rami. And they're like, great, boss Rami. Um, so it, it, it's a little different on that cultural side. Okay, so let me, let me give you something different here that most people aren't going to think about with this, with this cultural piece of it. So in the Philippines, with them not wanting to disappoint you and her, her, her willingness to, her unwillingness to give you advice. So... This comes down to trust. In the U.S., this it's not trust based. It's it's I think I know what I'm doing, and I'll tell you what it is. Mm-hmm. And that's how our culture is. Uh, in the Philippines, they they may think they know what they're doing, but they will not tell you until they trust you. And so they don't want to lose face. And if if they feel like you're going to be disappointed in them, if they feel like you're not going to like their work if they if they worry that you're going to yell at them or or anything of the sort any anything that would make them feel un, uncomfortable they're going to back down and so you building oftentimes we go into this thinking oh I don't know if I can trust this person well <laughs> that's good and all but the real question is how am I going to build this person's trust in me because as soon as you get that person's trust in you is when they'll start giving you advice, when they'll start doing going above and beyond, when they'll start doing extra work, uh, doing things a new way to try and make it better. It, but in the Philippines, it really is about them trusting you as an employer. And then they will then they'll become a rock star worker. Outstanding. Let's talk about the process to get there. But first, before we do that. You've put up an ad and we've gotten some applicants and you've you've shortlisted five of them or three of them and you want to interview them. Now, a traditional interview, the way we recommend you design this um, from our people processes is you go back to the job description, you go back to the uh, job analysis of the tasks. You're asking a few broad questions um, just to kind of open the conversation, but your purpose of the interview is to try and match 
First, skills, which most people who apply are going to match your skills list, but you verify those. Then you ask for stories where they use those skills so that you can go a little bit deeper on there. And then you go to uh, temperament or cultural fit or, or personality, however you want to do those. And again, you, you ask questions uh, that elicit stories or examples that prove that they are fits along those uh, talents and skills that you've, you've, you've identified in your job analysis and your job description. So that's the standard interview protocol. Any of you have been listening for a while, you've heard me harp on that a few times. Are there any differences in terms of, I mean, that makes a lot of sense when someone's coming in for a f- one to four hour long interview in your office. But if you're doing a VA interview, is it different? Do you yes. still want to, you, you, do you need to go a different way or what are your thoughts on that? So this is a virtual working relationship. The interview you're needs to start. Skype, yeah. The interview needs to start virtually with the Philippines. So what I recommend people do is first start this interview via email. Ask them questions via email and ask lots of questions. And um, so what I'll usually do is I will I will send three, four, ten emails over two, three, six, ten days. And and in doing that, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask all kinds of questions, including the things that you're talking about, right? The difference the difference there being you're bringing someone in for an hour long interview in front of you. You're doing this via email, um, and then you're gonna get a really good idea of all kinds of things, including how, like, if they have uh, had their friend help them write their online jobs.ph profile. You know, right? You'll see their English. You'll see. You'll see their command of English. You'll see their, you'll see their personality through this, right? Um, it, the the reason you do it this way, it, if you want to do a virtual Skype interview or a Zoom interview or whatever it is, the time to do that is late in the interview process, not earlier. Mm. Um, in the Philippines, they are scared or they're they don't want to let you down, right? And if the, if the first thing you do is try and do a video interview with them, here, here's what will happen. You'll ask 10 people to do an interview. Five of them will say, yes, I'll do the interview. Five of them will just disappear. You'll never hear from them again. And those five, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, an, a video or a voice position. And you just lost five really good potential candidates, right? So of the five that are left, you have five who will schedule. And of those five, three of them won't show up to the schedule because it's just too scary for them. So now you have two. You have two that are left. And of those two, the two of the 10, those are the two who are most confident with doing a video interview. They're not the two best candidates necessarily, right? Hmm. So um, this comes back to trust where as you do this interview process, uh, you will build trust in this person with that they trust you. And the the more you do the questions via in, via email first, and then you do the interview later, the more success you'll have with that video interview. Um, and I, so I don't have any issues at all with with your process of match the skills first, then stories, then culture. Um, I think that's great. You'll find a lot of that through the email process. Interesting. What if it is a voice position? Do you recommend VA? Like, I mean, like you mentioned, you know, you talk to people customer service wise on the yeah. phone a lot. You got to talk to them on the phone. You, you have to, you have to do a, <laughs> okay. a video voice interview with that. And that's you totally still fine. recommend starting with emails or just hop right in. I would still start it with emails Okay, for me because I, I mean, if you can't write good English, I'm not going to hire right. you. And that's, that's so much less time consuming than, than is uh, scheduling and getting on to a, a video interview. Okay. I think that's very reasonable. Okay. So you uh, go through your emails, you wind up with a voice or a video uh, call, something like that. Um, and you've made the decision. You've said, all right, this is the person they've, Oh, by the way, what's your kind of timeline? So you said six to 10 emails over the course of a couple of, couple of weeks, couple of days. Mm-hmm couple days. So you're really kind of, yeah. Yeah. I've hired someone before in one day and 
they turned out awesome. I've taken wow. a couple couple of weeks before to hire people. I would never. I, I mean, not that I would never. Taking a couple of weeks uh, in the Philippines would be odd for me. Interesting. That's very different than U.S. hiring, right? Over here, your hiring cycles for for larger businesses in the three to four month range, and small business, it's around a month a lot of times. Yeah. So let me can I, if I can, can yeah, I go please, back please. to like something we talked about in the beginning. Yeah. Um, so one of the big hesitations I often see with hiring, especially small business, like medium businesses have a have a hiring process established, right? right? Small businesses often don't hire because the hiring process is so daunting. Like the, the process that you just talked about of uh, job analysis the job yeah, and yeah. Talk, to, talk to people who are currently doing it. The process is so daunting that they just never do it. And so one of the things that I've seen over the years, especially with, with hiring a virtual assistant, is the barriers are so much less. The cost is so much less. The, you know, like the potential of getting help is the same. Just try it. Like if you don't want to go look at profiles, don't look at profiles. If you don't want to analyze a job, just go post a job and see what happens. And obviously not, not everyone should do that. But if that's where you are with um, with like being scared, like I don't have the time to go do this. Well, that's probably why you need to do it because you don't have the time right. because this is how you're going to get time back. But just go jump in and and post something. It doesn't have to be perfect. Okay, I I I John John has his. I don't think that's a bad thing. I and I and I tell small business clients often. You know, processes are there to allow you to create a consistent result. They are there allow you to improve how you do things over time, and they're very valuable because of that. But don't let the process stop you from doing the thing. You're a business owner, just like compliance. This is all a spectrum. You can improve it over time. Uh, for me, I'm a process nut. So to me, the first time you hire, if this is your, if you're a one man shop and you're pulling in your first VA, at least open a damn Google document and say process for hiring. Go to onlinejobs.ph, log in post job. <laughs> like it starts somewhere. I know it seems like a lot and you can use processes to majorly increase your um, result. And I want to, uh, one reason I wanted to have John on the show is because I see in my clients, they treat VAs differently, not for cultural reasons, but like you mentioned, the risk is much lower. Um, they invest a lot less time into making sure they get the right person. They invest a lot less time into onboarding, which we're going to get to in just a second, into developing that trust uh, through managing performance, all of the different things that you do with an employee that you're spending $50,000 a year on. They don't do it for an employee they're spending 12 or 10 or 13 or 25 or whatever it is they're spending. Very, over. very true. Yeah. And then they wonder why their VA doesn't perform like the employee that they've spent. You know, they've, they've communicated how much they care about them and provided benefits and said, hey, if man, if you need time off, here's your time off. And they've put all this time into communicating trust, but they haven't done it with their VA. They wonder why their VA doesn't perform the same. So my purpose of bringing John on is to talk about, of course, how this works, but to push constantly for you to th realize that even though the cost is lower, even though to a degree the risk is lower, they're likely not in the same position of a CFO you're hiring in the U.S. or something to start with. The investment in, in, in the employee, in the processes around the employee making that experience well, pays the same dividend, which is a smart, trusted employee who can do the jobs that they're assigned and know how to make decisions without you there. That's the goal. They make the same decision you would if you weren't there. And that takes the same kind of investment as an employee. That's yeah. my argument. Anyway. So, no, no, I, I completely agree. Um, and that is, this is one of the things when I, when I teach this, usually I, one of the, I stop in the middle of a presentation and say, Hey, look, I want to show you this picture of, of, of my workers. Here's a bunch of my workers that work for me. Look, they're humans. Because people often think, oh, I'm hiring a robot. 
They're on the other right. side of the world. They, they didn't they didn't do this test right. Oh, just fire them. Just get another one. And yeah, like this isn't going to work for you. <laughs> no, there's still people. There's still employees. And the re- if you treat a VA as an automaton who's supposed to show up, do their work, go home, never ask questions, um, never um, uh, uh, go above and beyond. They're not even going to do the basics. You have right. to invest the same um, right. to, to grow a true team member. It's, it's it, small business owners. I hear this all the time. You know, oh, my, my team is like my family. Um, and I, I feel that check out our episode on why you need to plan on people leaving from the very beginning, uh, some other time, but don't just say that even though they're in the Philippines or India or Croatia or wherever the hell you're hiring, treat them right. And you're going to get a much better result. And I'll, and, and if I can, I'll, I'll just throw this out there. Yeah. Um, we'll do like 5 million this year in in revenue and our, and our margins are pretty stinking high. I bet so. Yeah. Um, Software. And I have 26 people that work for me full time in the Philippines. And I have one, I have a business partner in the U S and I have one girl in the U S who works for me. Um, we're getting really good work done. Uh, I mean like, absolutely. Like we get really, really good work done. And and in a $5 million organization in software, your normal total payroll costs would be something like 25%. So 1.25 million would be a benchmark on labor costs at a, at a high, at a profitable, well-established company. Yeah. Um, And ours is like under 20 grand a month. Um, Wow. So So, you can, you can get dead silence on that one. Right. Um, Right. Um, You can get really, really good work done. Uh, doing this, but it, they're not robots. They're not, they're not, yeah, they're human beings that you're going to treat them just like you would someone working in the office next to you. You're going to ask them about their families. You're going to, you're going to um, give them bonuses unannounced because that's a good thing for them. You're going to uh, tell them how much you like their work, mm-hmm. right? Like there's, this isn't just like, oh, go get your crap done. Right. Well, on that, so you've you, you've made your you've decided you've made your decision, and now it's time to offer them the job. Uh, let's briefly talk about the legalities of these things. Um, hiring an international contractor is a little different than picking up a ten ninety nine in your home area, and it's very different than picking up a W two. How do you yeah. recommend you start the relationship? And then I want to get into what are the key steps in onboarding a new VA. Um, and what are some of the key things that maybe you would recommend that every employer go through to uh, bring that person on? Okay. So the first thing, if you want to use an employment contract, go for it. You can use an employment contract. Uh, if you, <laughs> so when you said before you hire, let me take a step back. Different people are different, right? Like yeah. different personalities are different. Different people are driven differently. When you said at least create a process for, how to hire, you're going to go to online jobs, you're going to post it, whatever. For me, just telling me that makes me cringe, right? Like, <laughs> oh, I have to get a process for this? Like, I'm bad. I have all kinds of processes in my business. I'm really bad at creating a process up front and, and making that process good and then hiring for it, right? Like, that's, that's for me, my personality just doesn't work. I want to start the thing and then we're going to develop that process over time. And honestly, I have the same way. I, I, I dive in feet first. And then for me, I'm, I run a company labeled people processes and we have a process for creating processes. Um, <laughs> we do. And it was one of the first processes we developed and it involves me not doing it. <laughs> That's awesome. the first thing that my, my, my wife and I started the company together 11 years ago. Awesome. And we determined very quickly, the first thing is Rami doesn't write this. <laughs> yes. Uh, and that's a lot yeah. of how I am. Like, yeah. I, I, especially today, I, I work about 17 hours a week. I've worked about 17 hours a week for the last 10 years. No, it's been like 12 years now. Um, I don't do the work. Um, so, so taking this back to what, how to, how to bring someone on board. Um, 
you can use a contract if you want. You you don't have to. I do, but I I didn't for a lot of a lot of years, right? Mm. Um, when you when you start with someone, the biggest things that I see are you have negotiated with them how many hours a week they're going to work and how much you're going to pay them. Now, whether you're going to pay them hourly or salaried or contract based is a completely different story, and and I can go over that really quickly if you want, um, or I can skip it. Yeah, well, hit me on this because I think a lot of people, when they think of a VA, especially when they look at like Filipino rates or Filipino rates, they go, uh, "Cool, eight hundred bucks a month. I'm I'm ready to rock out." Or six hundred bucks a month, or I, I don't know. We could talk about some. Maybe we can hit very briefly on uh, what sort of prices you recommend. But um, do you lean towards salary positions, kind yes. of flat like that, or do you okay. prefer the hour? Yeah. So that's, that's the side of this. So I don't care how much you want to pay someone. Like I don't, I don't have a recommendation because different people want different amounts and different positions yeah. require different amounts. Right. So that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just like anything else. Yeah. But those numbers that we're talking about, like I have people, I have 26 people, they make between 400 and $1,700 a month for full-time work, all of them. Right. Right. And, but the thing is they all get paid a salary. And in the Philippines, this is a big difference. And for a business owner, for a small business owner, for an entrepreneur, whatever, um, it, it, if you pay someone hourly and they run out of things to do, you don't care. You're not, you're not responsible for their time. You don't care. And you right. can go back to, being, to working in your business. As soon as you hire someone salaried and you are paying for their time, now you do care if they run out of things to do. And you are forcing yourself to work on your business now. So when you go to work with that person, this is where processes get created is enforcing yourself. And maybe some people don't need to be forced. I did. Um, I needed to be, have that person on salary so that I gave them their task. It took them four hours. I thought it was going to take them three days. Mm -hmm. Oh crap. I have to stop answering stupid emails. and I have to create a process for this person to do something. Right. Right. And that's where this makes the biggest difference for most people that I see. So uh, in the Philippines, there is so much temporary and part-time work that for them on their side of it, having a full-time stable job is a huge, huge deal. Um, having contract work is fine. They'll take it because they want a job. Sure. But having a stable work is so much better. And then just so you know, if someone's working part-time for you, they're working full-time for someone else. Of and your part-time job is their priority. So not that you can't hire part-time, not that you can't hire great people part-time, you can. But like the best way to get to get out of this is hire someone full-time and pay them a salary. Okay, so uh, you've negotiated with them how much they're going to work, 40 hours a week. In the Philippines, actually, the standard is like 60 hours a week. Uh, they, they typically work like six, 10-hour days. I noticed that I was, uh, we, we were looking at this and, and we kept pushing back on our, our first hire because she kept staying late. Um, and, uh, it was really bothering me. It, I put, and, and even now, uh, you know, she, she, at a drop of a hat, we, our office closes at 5 30 PM and which I guess is like 6 30 or 7 30 AM her time. And she, um, man, she, I, we, even now, if there's even the slightest excuse, she will stick around for another two hours. And I'm just like, stop it home but it's 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 very difficult to uh to kind of understand that (laughs) feel that way yeah so that's the standard in the philippines i don't recommend you try that uh because working remotely is working virtually is hard i mean especially in the beginning like all my my people are pretty dang good at it now they've been they've been with me for a long time but um it takes some adjusting so i would recommend you start them with a 40-hour work week and you're paying them a salary and you've negotiated that with them up front. Uh, I, you can have someone work your hours if you want. Um, just be aware that you should probably find someone that's used to it. Someone they're already used to working the night shift because switching from working during the day to working at night is really difficult. Yep. And yep. so uh, the, I don't, one, I don't make anybody yeah. work at night except mm-hmm. for we hired a couple people on customer support so that we can cover our 24 seven customer support shift and they were already used to working at night. They asked to work at night. So, right. Sometimes it works out better. Uh, for, for, for us, we, um, the one 
true kind of not catastrophic hire, but the one that didn't work out after three months for us uh, in the Philippines was um, someone who had been, we needed him to work U.S. hours, um, primarily to coordinate with the other team members. And uh, that transition was very difficult for them. They they fell asleep during shift a few too many times. Yeah, Um, right. So, yeah, but if you can find somebody who's already working that shift, and a lot of people are, they're working for U.S. companies, then that, that works. Right. So the next thing is you're going to give them, uh, you know, whatever your policies and procedures are, that's good. Then you're going to give them their first task. And along with that first task, you're going to give them instructions for their first task. And this is a big deal. So uh, even if you hired an expert at whatever it is you hired them to do, giving them some training in the Philippines establishes trust. It establishes that they can trust you, that you're there to help them with their job. If you don't provide training at all, then they don't know what you expect of them. They don't know if you're going to like their work. They're very scared. And that's when they're hesitant with their work. You start to provide training and they will go through the training and then they trust that you're willing to provide them training and you've shown them that you've, you'll give them feedback. And that's when they'll start to give, you more, to give you more input from themselves. So along with that, one of the things that I always do in in this first task, I give them the first task and I give them training. And I say, I know you're going to get stuck on this first task. I expect you to get stuck on it. I mean, it's your first task. You're, you're not going to be able to do everything perfectly the first time. So when you get stuck, I want you to try it. Try and figure it out. Google it. See if you can find an answer. Ask a friend if they know something. When you are stuck and you feel like you're not making progress, I need you to come to me and I will help you solve the problem. And this is the, this goes, I mean, we've talked about this over and over again, but this is the number one problem you'll run into with Filipino workers is them disappearing. And they disappear because they are scared that you're going to be let down. You're not going to like their work. So when I hire them, I tell them don't disappear. Come to me when you have a problem. And I've seen this solve so many problems over the years where the person doesn't want to come to you because they're scared. They're scared that you're going to be disappointed in them. But if you've told them up front, try it. And then you've established a pattern of, hey, I like your work. Hey, I like your work. Hey, you did this right. Hey, let's change this. You didn't do this right. You've established this pattern of giving them feedback and that they know they can come to you and they're not going to get yelled at. Um, You'll solve the, the number one problem, which is the disappearing, the disappearing VA. And this first email and first task of giving them training and saying, hey, come to me when you have a problem is the very first thing you should do to solve this. I, I think that's exactly right and, and, and very good. When I, I want to skip forward a little because one of the main things I wanted to cover was performance management of a remote team in another culture in another time zone. You mentioned have them on salary. Give them a task and see how long they take it. And sometimes they take four hours to do something you thought would take three days. How do you recommend or what, what sort of processes could be around um, the, you know, I, I've run into this, especially, you know, especially on hourly. And this happens in the U.S. This happens everywhere. You give someone a task and you say you're paid by the hour. Well, their incentive is to take as long as possible to do that <laughs> um, to a degree. But even on salary, like how do you keep track or know in a remote sense like this, in an asynchronous time that they're using their time wisely, that they're not, um, bookkeeping is a common task I see. And it's one that I have experience in, in sending over there. So I'm just going to use it, but bookkeeping can be very straightforward today. We had, you know, seven transactions show up in QuickBooks. You put them in the right place. Um, and now you have nothing to do the rest of the day. Um, or it can be, you know, there are 700 transactions all with different sub-accounts and splitting and all kinds of stuff, you know it's a full-time thing. How do you keep track to see that you're getting your time value, that they don't feel like, hey, I can do this job and another full-time job. I just do them at the same time. Uh, yeah. These are some of the horror stories I've heard from from other people who have hired. Uh, yeah, right. Over there. So my first thing is um, definitely keep the person busy. Uh, if, if you don't feel like they're busy, then they're going to go get another job, which is not what you want. Um, hmm. Second... Um, I, so again, different personalities are different and Mm -hmm. we have a time tracker uh, at online jobs. It's called time proof and they install it on their computer and 
and it will track their time and it will take screenshots of what they're doing. And you can look at the screenshots. I hate it. Um, I don't use it. The people in the Philippines don't like it, but it's there because a lot of employers love it. Right. Um, so the way that I gauge productivity is I, generally I have an idea of like, here's how well you started when you started working for me. Here's your productivity. I've seen your productivity is dropping. What's going, you know, I'll, I'll ask them what's going on or um, so just generally I can gauge it. I, or I do gauge it based on feel. I have a general feeling of like, Hey, your daily report that you sent me today, uh, you didn't really do anything. And I know you didn't do anything or you haven't sent me a daily report in three days. You know, something, something's not right. Right. Oh, well let's, let's, let's dive into that. Hang on a daily report. So this is a little different, you know, again, in a, in a office-based environment, you wouldn't expect someone to recap all the work they did that day. Right. But I seem to remember from one of your blog posts, you actually mentioned that the daily report is your key tool for seeing what they did. Something yeah. like that. So, so uh, it's a virtual environment and the way that I work, my personality, I don't want to think and remember what you're working on. I don't want to be responsible for knowing like, oh, you did these three tasks. Did you do these three tasks today? Uh-huh. Um, I'm, I'm much more effective if I focus on making sales than if I focus on whatever else is going on in the business. And so that daily report does a couple things for me. Number one, it, it gives me an idea of how productive they are. Number two, it tells me what they're working on um, so that I don't have to focus on it. And then Number three, it gives me a chance to interact with that person where I can now uh, give feedback. I can give instruction. I can, uh, I can give praise. Um, so that, that daily report is for me, I, I've always, I re- I require it. It's, it's needed. And I have let people go over not doing the daily report. Like you simply just will not communicate with me often enough. I can't have you working for me. It just doesn't work for me. So this is kind of, is this in lieu of something like a one-on-one the traditional one-on-one in HR is something like, what are you working on? What did you accomplish last period? What are you going to accomplish next period? And what are your overall goals so that we can provide additional training or support to it? That's the the general topics. Do you do that? Do you still do kind of those one-on-one broader coaching performance review kind of things? Or is the daily report just a daily version of that? (laughs) I guess it's, I don't know. It's a daily, (laughs) I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I'm not very HR versed. That's okay, but you don't. So you don't do like um, uh, for your people, and this is just this is John's company, and he's done pretty well at this, guys. So I'm I'm just picking his brain. You don't do a once every six months sit down 360 performance review for your guys, no, or your ladies. I don't. It's mainly about that daily report. You can you know what's going. You and I actually agree with this. I, I tell people, I I think the performance review in its old fashioned sense is somewhat dead. In today's world, you should know pretty much daily, whether an employee is getting their job done, whether they're having challenges and what they're going for. So uh, a lot of companies use KPIs and enterprise systems to track tasks and keep track of volume and all this kind of stuff. But in a smaller business, you're effectively going, send me a daily report. I'm going to look that over. Uh, We're going to reply back on that, acknowledging it or giving you feedback on it. And that's your kind of continuous monitoring of, of performance. Yeah. And then every once in a while I will send an email and say, Hey, I love what you do. Thank you so much. It's, this is great. Or I will say, Hey, what's going on? Something, is there some struggle that you're going on that you have going on? Uh, you'd be surprised what you can ask people in the Philippines that just culturally, Hey, how are you doing financially? What's going on with your family financially? Right. Mm. Um, that like you can't ask that in the U.S. right? Um, but in the Philippines, you can, and you you'll find that you want to take care of the people you hire. They'll be like you said, they'll become like family, and and you want them to live a better life because they're making your life better. And so I I don't do the the standard every six months we have a performance review. Uh, if I feel like something's not going right, I will bring it up right then. Mm-hmm. And if I feel like things are going well, I will say something, and I will give a bonus or a raise right then. You mentioned in terms of your payroll costs, I mean, you're talking as low as 400 a month, as high as $1,700 a month, that kind of thing. Uh, I spoke with one client who used Filipino VAs and 
Um, some of his, he, he basically started at around, and forgive me, I'm not as familiar with some of these currency conversions as I should be, 35,000 PHP a month, which is about 700. Yeah. Uh, he mentioned 13th month, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so just a quick recap over there. People get a bonus around Christmas or in December, that's a month's raise just or a month's pay. It's kind of standard. So when you, when you look at your monthly costs, you need to multiply by 13 to get your annual as opposed to 12. My, am, am I right so far, John? Yes, so correct. Okay. So, um, at his cost at 700 bucks, he's, he's, he's paying basically what? 84, uh, 91, $9,300, something like that. $9,100, uh, with the 13th month in there a year for, Entry level starting work, um, and or not entry level starting work, or really good work. Yeah, well, that's that's what he that's what he does. And then his highest paid people are more in the hundred and twenty to one hundred fifty thousand PHP a month, which is two three thousand a month. You're okay. looking at really forty fifty thousand a year, true, almost U.S. prices. But at that level, you're talking about C level people, department managers that over here would cost two hundred, over there costs forty, right. that kind of thing, right. Um, so you really can find the whole gamut over there. Yes. Um, one thing that he also does is he provides things like laptops, cell, uh, laptops, uh, additional monitors, those sorts of things. Do you see that commonly over there providing equipment, internet no. stipend, health benefits, insurance, any of that kind of stuff? <laughs> no, commonly no. But for an established business, yes. Like we do a lot of those things. Um, once you've established, you'll find that you want, you want to take care of your team. Most, most people start this very informally and then they right. find out, oh yeah, this is awesome. And then they grow. And at some point they realize, yes, I want to do more. I want to provide health insurance or I want to pay your social security or, uh, let me provide you a laptop incentive or whatever it is. We do all of those things. Mm. Um, but it took time. It took time before we did that. The one one question that's come up, and these are just I'm going through some of HR questions I've gotten in the past. How do you enforce anything over there? So, say you hire somebody 40 hours a week. I mean, obviously you can terminate them, so that's the easy answer. But say you provide a laptop, or you, I don't know, there's the, you're you're providing access to sensitive data or um, company yeah, secrets, that you kind don't of thing. Enforce. You just don't. There's I'm, no you, PI company that you hire to, I don't know, file a complaint in a corporate in a court over right. there. So no, the Philippines is very they're very um compliant. Like they they know like stealing something's illegal and there are punishments for this. But as a foreign employer, the the cost of pursuing a an enforcement of that is so high that I mean, I guess you could under extreme circumstances, but otherwise you, I've helped hundreds, I've seen hundreds of thousands of people hire people in the Philippines. I've right. seen so few cases of needing to enforce something like this that it's it's not worth it. All right. Awesome. Well, John, we've come up on our hour and I could talk to you for days, man. I think you have an amazing... Uh, we've talked about your experience hiring, but also as a business owner, you've designed a company that serves your lifestyle, that's profitable, that provides a service needed for other companies. You've hit all the marks. Your people processes maybe could use a little efficiency gathering, but you know, <laughs> uh, I'm just saying maybe you hire, a, find someone in HR over there who could help you establish some of these protocols. Um, uh, one thing that I've, I've actually, one reason I wanted to talk to you is because I've had clients come to me and say, you know, small business, 10 man shops or whatever that are in, you know, like tire rotation businesses or oil change. And they're like, we want to implement people processes. Um, we could hire your company to do it. Or I have this great VA who knows HR and she's going to do it for us. And I'm like, outstanding. Let's do it. Uh, but that's something that I've, I've seen hired over there. That's worked out pretty dang well. Yeah. So I don't know, just, just some thoughts out there for you guys listening. If, um, if if this is my HR people listening are going to go, oh, my God, you just told them to replace me. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. Please. I'm not saying that. Right. But it's a place to get started. If you're in a position where you need labor help, brain help, this is a, a, a way you can you can you can have labor arbitrage and, and grow your company. John, thank you so much for for coming on today. Uh, let me ask you, where can people contact you? Why should they contact you and how should they go about it? 
So uh, if you want to contact me, I I don't do phone calls, but let me I'm rephrase that. Available through email, and <laughs> okay. you can use the contact us link at onlinejobs.ph. And obviously, that doesn't go to me. But if you ask mm-hmm. for me, you if you it'll get forwarded me, to you eventually one day. Right, everyone, not even eventually. Like they'll they'll immediately send it to me. They know all of our customer support people know to send it to me. Um, if you want to learn more about this, about how I do this and why I do this, I I just released a book. Uh, and I'm giving it for free. I'm paying for the book. Uh, it's a physical book at outsourcinglever.com. Outsourcinglever, L-E-V-E-R. Yeah, I cover the whole thing. Awesome. And uh, so they can go on there, uh, put in their info, and they'll send them a copy of the book. I will mail you a copy of the book. Yeah. That is the way to go, ladies and gentlemen. John, thank you again so much for your time. Um, I, I appreciate it. And I think we, you dropped a ton of value today. Hey, thanks. I appreciate it. It's been great. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Check us out on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter at People Processes. Go to peopleprocesses.com, subscribe, and get some of our subscriber-only content. And if you got something out of this, make sure you share it with anyone you know. Thank you for tuning in. Now it's time for you to go out there, have a great day, and get your work done.